Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chaz alongside my main man, Steve-O. Back at it again, cover New York Rangers hockey, but we're going to open with some NHL around the league. Yeah. Chaz, how are you doing overall first? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, last week was busy. Uh, a lot of time up in Tarrytown doing some other jobs, um, but all good. How about for you? Awesome. Awesome. Um, hopefully you just, you've established like some rhythm and some sort of like comfort being around this team. I mean, it's awesome just being around the team. I'm not around the team, but like what's your overall like? Oh, we'll get into that later. Let, yeah. Let's let's talk about our overall thoughts around the league. And I really think there's no surprise here. And I, I've said this. I don't recall saying it on the pod, but I do recall saying this to you um, off camera that I think the Sharks are the worst team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just the team that like they they completely, you know, gutted out their roster. And they're probably looking at Celebrini right now at Boston University and saying like, let's just tank for this kid. You saw the way the Blackhawks did it last year. Just they really were a bare bones team and they ended up being rewarded with Connor Bedard. Um, That's not necessarily the way everything shakes out all the time. You know, the Sharks were a team that was in the running for Bedard as well. But uh, yeah, Celebrini, this kid's already popping off in the uh, NCAA for, I believe, Boston University. I'm almost positive of that. Um, playing alongside Cole Eiserman, too, who's also one of those top prospects. So, listen, Sharks not playing well. Blackhawks, actually, I, I think there's a few teams. The Predators, the Flyers, um, Columbus. I think the Blue Jackets. Yeah, like, they're teams that they come into the year, they have something to play for. You know, let's, let's start off hot. They got some energy and juice because it's like, we got Fantilli, you know. We have a few players that are that are looking to play a little bit better. Provorov for the Flyers, like a Konechny. Um, but, you know, you see that kind of dwindle out by the time it's like December midseason. So. I could see that. You know, you mentioned this before, before the pod. And look at last year. They walked to an amazing start last year, and they just like died immediately, fizzled out. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even like, a you know, they were competitive at a certain point. It just like stopped, and then a certain level of bad just took over. And yeah. I'd expect the same thing to happen. I, I just don't see the room, you know, for them to keep this up. Well, the conversation, too, at that time was like, you know, the Flyers and the Devils, who's going to have the continued success? And that was very evident later in the season. Like no the question. Devils became one of the best teams in the league. Um, they beat the Islanders the other night. You know, those matchups I hate. Um, I'm at I'm at the bar and it's like it's the Devils and the Islanders on TV. And then you have like the Diamondbacks and, and the of Phillies at at this point of the, this episode, I think Game Seven will be played. As well as you know, we talk about talk about so all these teams around the horn in the NHL. ESPN, Kevin Weeks, Butchergrass with a huge frozen friend frenzy. That again, by the time you're listening to this, will have happened. That's going on the night we're recording this. But very exciting time for the NHL. Sixteen games, every team playing. I mean, you have to love that of the the promotion of the game, and it's helping push along some of these narratives, right? You have Ovechkin who hasn't scored a goal. Um, Austin Matthews, who's been popping off. They're facing off against each other. I really love the way the Arizona Coyotes are playing. I think they're a team known expected to play well. And the other team that's on my list, Ottawa Senators. They're a playoff team for me. You just took the two teams right out of my mouth that I was going to bring up. How about let's move on to another team. I For me, this is surprising. And we got a glimpse, you know, from Saturday Saturday night's game. And not really for you. I you I know you have an opinion on this. You did call it on the podcast before uh before this team played their first five games or so. I'm surprised the Seattle Kraken have gotten off to a slow start. Now you look at teams like the Oilers. The Oilers 
they're not bad. They're just off to a slow start. You can say the same thing about Pittsburgh, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more confident in the Oilers than Pittsburgh, but this Seattle team is really off to a slow start. And we saw that, you know, on all quarters of the game, uh, all aspects of the game when we played them. And you look at all the other games they played really just slow start and just they just look, you know, like they're lacking effort. Chives. And kind of they're I would, they're not expansion brothers. So don't get me wrong. I know that term is improper here, but they're kind of like expansion sibling in the Vegas Golden Knights undefeated and it's funny because i think for vegas i uh i didn't think they were the strongest team to win a stanley cup in the last few years i think things opened up for them in the western conference right like they've downed some big name teams but they've also had some tough losses in the postseason uh in recent in recent years 2021 like they lost to a montreal dark horse team that was a really weird like it wasn't a conference final it was like a semi-final yeah but, I mean, they start the season undefeated. It's crazy to me. I mean, you even see with the Panthers, they actually have some, you know, they're, they're selling out crowds now. That's been exciting. Uh, Vancouver's off to not the worst start in the world. So there's a lot of interesting storylines going on in the NHL right now. I don't know if you want to swing it to the New York Rangers, the blue shirts right now. If you're, I'm ready to jump in. So we brought for. up the Kraken, Jonathan Quick played really well against them and I thought he played well against the Predators in relief of Shesterkin. Um he didn't have the best preseason. That was evident and something to take note of. Edmonton Oilers, by the time you're listening to this episode, we have not watched the Calgary Flames yet. They'll have played them and they'll be looking towards Edmonton. No Connor McDavid. That's a big game. You gotta take a game up there. I mean the Rangers, the last number of years going on this road trip have had some exciting games, but I don't know the exact record. The one thing that stands out in your mind is when the Rangers were up four to one in Edmonton and then they lost. I think that was two seasons back and they haven't won a game up in Calgary in a number of years. So this is not, it's the toughest road trip in terms of miles. It shouldn't be the toughest in terms of what they're looking at and the teams are playing right now. Steve, what, what's your take on the next two games? I mean, by the time you listen to this again, Calgary, they play Calgary, but this is a road trip that you kind of want to get these points now because you're going to be having more home games later in the year. I like that point you just mentioned. And again, this really doesn't have to be harder than people would assume, you know, at first glance. And I think one thing that I like in particular is that to start in these first five games, LaViolette has set a clear tone and how he wants to run this team and I think that is that we need to give guys the opportunity and let's say they come up and they strike out big time we need to give them the opportunity to rebound you take a look at that Columbus game they come back they I wouldn't want to say they rebounded but they do take the home opener you know wins a win they come out I mean we not to say we thought that we were underdogs against the Predators but Predators I mean that was a really lopsided game terrible game we come back and we have a good, strong rebound against the Kraken. So I think there's this strong reinforcement, and I like this idea of giving guys opportunities to rebound and, you know, not just abandoning ship. You know, I think it's really easy to abandon ship, and especially on certain concepts. But I like this strong foundational, not to say that we need to rebound off last game, but let's say we do lose tonight against the Flames. Rebounding against the Oilers is so important, and especially you have to take advantages when they're given out. And Connor McDavid is a player that has killed the Rangers on multiple occasions when we play them. So again, we do got to take advantage of that. But I do like our odds against Calgary. Calgary is a team that has fizzled out. 
these last year and a half. I don't think they've just lost their momentum. Um, Again, we'll see if they can maintain that throughout the course of the season. But I kind of want to go back to that point on LaViolette. How do you feel that he's kind of set this tone of giving guys the opportunity? And I got a couple guys that I want to talk about for sure on our team, but I'll give you a moment to respond first. Yeah, the, I think the true mark of success in an organization is looking within, right? The only way you can improve yourself mentally, physically, improvement comes from within. It, you can't, it, it can't be, oh, we're looking at this team and trying to do what they do. And I think that's why I'm, I, I enjoy observing this, uh, the process Piero Laviolette's instilling in the team. It's the Lions are starting to formulate an identity. And you're seeing like, it only took five games. If you left these lines together for a few games last season, they probably would have formed an identity. The reason the kid line worked so well as a checking line as the third line on the team was because Gallant seemed to never really touch that at certain points. You get a three-week stretch where the kids were together. No wonder they were playing all right. They were used to playing with each other. You didn't have that. that at points, so you had a, the Pacific Coast trip last season. Kako played with Sabanajad and Kreider. It worked for a little bit. The team wasn't succeeding. Shake things up. I said this last episode, I don't think Gallant was mindless in those decisions. I, I think he's taken like still like kind of like online. I'm seeing hate towards Gallant still with that. I, listen, it didn't work. But what I'm enjoying seeing with Peter Laviolette is his patience and his poise. when He's thoroughly talking about everything. I've said this on every episode. I've asked him questions. Hey, what's the identity of the third line? You know, it didn't seem like they were really clicking the first two games and he, he responded to me and said, it's the first three games. Like, it's going to take time, and we're going to see how it, how it works out. You're also seeing that he's rewarding Panarin, Lafreniere, and Heedle. He double-shifted Panarin against the Kraken. And guess, you know, kudos to that. Worked? Yeah. I was going to jump in there. I was going to say, that clip was awesome, by the way. You asking LaViolette uh, that, that question about the, uh, the identity of that third line. Awesome question. I loved it. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, Vince also asked about that second line too, and I think that's that's something that's added to the success of the team, Steve. Right? Like the second line, they are the offense. You're seeing a lot of offensive zone draws for them. For the fourth line, they're playing more of the D zone draws, and then the first and second line seem to bring out a little bit of everything, like some offense, some defense. You can trust in them in both situations. I, I like the way things are shaping up. Me too. All right, let's break down some of these lines now that we have five. We're five games into the season. We obviously have enough to base it off upon. We you take a look at what we've done. We obviously had two. Our best two wins were against the Kraken this past weekend, and our season opener against the Sabers. Those were outstanding. I mean, when you look at things that have gone right in those games, you could pinpoint certain things. And you look at that defense. The defense is the number one. When the defense is there, when we're not giving away like stupid turnovers, stupid giveaways, when we're blocking shots, getting in there, making plays, generating opportunities, you look at what we could do, look at what we've done. But when you flip around to our two bad losses now, and I think the Coyotes game was just home opener. That was an outlier of mm-hmm. of games. Look at our two losses against Columbus and the Predators. We are defensively we we were terrible. Giveaways, I'm I'm looking at that Predators game, second line, a Panarin, Lafreniere, Kako line was just, they were just get, turning the puck over. I think we had two 
turnovers in the first minute of that game. And you look at that Columbus game too. So collectively, just being sound on defense, you know, getting in there blocking shots, I think against that Kraken game, Jonathan Quick hasn't had it made double-digit saves in mm-hmm. in all aspects and quarters of that game. So periods, as just as I should say. Um, but that plays to the point that defensive defensively, when we're on, you know we're on. Mm-hmm. And defensively, when we're not on, it's a very evidently clear. So that's definitely a key moving forward, and especially, you know, remaining on this road trip. Yeah, I think identity is key for all the lines, right? But I do think, like you're saying, that the buy-in is very evident. Uh, Panarin is playing, I, I think where you focus on his game, it's like, yes, the numbers. But you know Panarin's playing well when he's causing turnovers, right? When he gets his stick in lanes, defending at the point on the de- in the defensive zone. When he's forechecking hard, that's where you could tell players are bought in. And I've been impressed by it. Uh as you mentioned on the defensive side of things, you're sticking with the same guys for the most part, the newcomers Gustafson and they're meshing. I think what I'd like to see from the team, and this is going to maybe take some time in Gallant's first year, you saw it. They they went on a win streak. That was where they kind of rose to prominence, right? I think it was a seven game win streak. Yes. I remember that. That's what I would like to see from this team because I thought last year was a lot of win loss, win loss. And, um, they, they need to find their footing. John Quick, though, I, I can't emphasize enough how much I think it's important that he got a pretty solid win under his belt. If you can rely on him, you're not starting the season where last year's narrative until November was that Halak was 0-7. Right? Like, you couldn't even rely. It wasn't that you couldn't rely on your backup. The team in front of him wasn't performing to that. So I think it's nice to see the team win convincingly with the backup keeper in that. Yeah, and not to say that, you know, I didn't believe in Jonathan Quick, but he's definitely of going and I count that Predators game too when he came in in relief. Um he's kind of restored my confidence with him. You know, obviously if you look at his last three, even four seasons, he's been declining. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's had a couple, you know, bad streaks, you know, especially last year. I mean, there was a point where he gave up like I think it was like fifteen goals in like four games. I mean, just totally bad not Mm -hmm. nhl quality so not to say that i don't believe in him but it definitely gives me a little bit more of a confidence boost and i think it just goes to show you the mindset uh you know our number one's not net you know that means we got to play a little bit tougher tonight and i think he acknowledged that after the game in his post game uh interviews and i think you know he valued that and it goes a long way and we got to just carry on and keep playing that same game um one player I do want to bring up um, who really hasn't found the score sheet and hasn't made a crazy impact. Um, and I think he's got to take a little bit to warm up to, you know, over the course of the season. Do you know who I'm talking about? Top six. Blake Wheeler. Not Blake Wheeler. Zabanajad. Nika, yeah, five assists now. We'll see. I mean, hopefully this doesn't. He he scored two big goals against Calgary at home. Remember that barn? My year. goodness. So, you know, the classic puck talk. That's a classic game. That was a classic game. That was awesome. The Lafo OT goal. I think he had an assist on that, too. Yep. Um, yeah, I think uh, it would be classic puck talk of us to talk about Zibanejad right now. And then he has like a five goal game against Calgary. Yeah, nothing to you know, worry about. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, you're right. Um, Steve, sound off on that, man, because I think it's something that 
it's the wave is cresting. There's going to be a point where it's brought up like the production's there and he, he's playing well, but where's the point where he starts to heat up on that power play one timer spot, right? Like he's been a goal scorer in New York and that's what the team needs from him. And I think you mentioned it is that the production is there, even though this top line hasn't hit you with wow, crazy numbers. I still think they're running efficiently. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you take a look at it, you know, um, and I think that, all of our team has been running efficient, efficiently, you know, minus the two games that we lost. Um, I really think I like the second line, and I, I really like the third line. I think the third line, you got Vinny on there playing alongside Wheeler and Cooley. I think they've really made an impact. And again, they haven't. And a criticism from the fans is that they haven't been hitting the score sheet. It doesn't matter. When you take a look at it, and I think they've only given up one goal. Mm-hmm. all season long that that third line maybe one or two um but still i think they've played great they've played great defensively and just keeping the puck in the offensive zone and generating quality chances i think that's a nice uh that's a great line to ha- have after the panarin line and then you bring on your fourth line which has been all defensively i think it meshes well i think the thing with laviolette is he's not married to the lines but they're working well because he's allowing them to Right. It's like good parenting. Like you teach your listen. I don't know this, but I know (laughs) from how I was raised, like you give your kid, you know, you keep them on the leash, but you give them enough, you know, enough space to figure it out a little bit themselves. And I think that's what the lines are doing right now. Right. That second line's bombastic. I love it. Like, I feel like we haven't had a line to be excited for on the offensive side of things in a little while um you had like kzb a few years ago with buchnevich who's with crowder's advantage ad and since then it felt like they couldn't find a really they had the replacements but lafreniere and Kako weren't playing to the level that we expected them to they had like frank vetrano in the playoffs i mean dog loved him but back to the third line i think i question kind of where their value will be but i think as time's going along you're seeing that they're they have a purpose and an identity out there Something Chris Drury brought up in May 2021 when he was first hired as general manager, just a few days after the season ended, following the Islanders' losses and the Tom Wilson incident, he said, I want my guys to have a purpose when they go over the boards. And you're seeing that. Like, Blake Wheeler, things will come. I think things will come because he's having – he's adjusting to a new place. We talked about this last episode at 37 years old. That's hard. And it's going to take some time, but – if you let these lines continue to progress and not just blow them up after one loss by November, think about the value of that third line. They could be a menacing third line of a, a hard four checking, hard checking, chipping on the offense. Like, do you really need a third line? That's like blowing up the point sheet. No, you got the first two lines to do that. Those are your skill guys. Trochek and Wheeler have the skill. Cooley can hang in there. So I, I do I do think they're starting to con- convince me otherwise. I think I was a little bit pessimistic to start. I like that point you just made there. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I am going to revert back to your original standpoint where this third line is going to have to produce at some point. But mm-hmm. right now, we keep the ship going. We keep the train on the track. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, at some point, they are going to have to produce. And you take a look at that second line. You know, I'm going to go back to that second line, for example. We what I want to see from the second line is I want to see consistency. You mentioned before last year was a lot of win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And a lot of the lines had no consistency coming out. Line would have six points on a line one night. Next night, nothing. 
So what we need from the second line is we need to see consistency, you know, and we've got Panarin. Panarin's had a point every single game this year so far. But when when that first line is not popping and there are moments where the first line is not popping, you know, again, those numbers don't jump out to you. Um, And maybe the second line's not having it either, you know. Third line's got to be able to put up some numbers. And again, at this point, they haven't, but they didn't need to, you know. So I think we keep the train on the track. I'm okay with it for now. Um, And again, I think the fourth line, you know, is, I don't want to say they're their most efficient line, but this fourth line has been pretty good this year. Yeah, and I think with the fourth line, with players like Truba, Lindgren, Truba leading the league in blocks, he's one of the top hitting defensemen in the league, like, Truba looks like he's he's more comfortable. I think at the end of last season he was taking some heat and understandably so. Um that fourth line is they're deployed always in defensive situations. Uh Johnny was tweeting um about how Nick Benino was like changing the way he was taking faceoffs, like which hand he was taking the draws in. Um those are all small details to games that are going to be crucial. Um I say this all the time. They're playing for the playoffs. They're playing they're trying to institute a playoff style game and lineup now so that when the playoffs come and they have to face a team like Carolina, New Jersey, maybe a Tampa, maybe a Toronto, you're ready to go. And you're you've played a season worth of being in situations, playing with the same players. And maybe not all, you know, the same exact line, but being comfortable enough with different guys. Um, and you're seeing that the fourth line's contributing in that respect too. And I think that was evident in the Arizona game. And you're going to see that. I think if you see in the next few games on this road trip, like a close game, that's where you're going to see those guys, Nick Benino. I mean, he's a shot blocking machine, shot blocking machine. I've loved it. Um, I think the way Goodrow and Benino have been playing is everything you could have asked for. Um, and that fourth line, you have that rotation with VC too. So I, I think in terms of the lineup, like the comfort level, it's great. And I, I like the playoff, like it's a playoff approach. And, I, and that's what I'm enjoying with the vision is you're seeing, I'm seeing why that's going to be valuable in April. And right now, yeah, it's not exactly the same as last season where they started off and they were scoring a bunch of goals. But at the same time, it's taking your wins adjust into a new system and i think it's worked in their favor we'll see how the rest of obviously the road trip goes for that uh as well because i think this is a big road trip it's their longest one of the season five games you gotta take a few on the road here yeah and again especially when you're given opportunities of not playing against mcdavid again crucial you gotta take advantage of those mm-hmm. um i want to go back to a point I know we were big on Wheeler and we were big on Gustafson, but not to say that I kind of underestimated Nick Benino, but I wasn't as big. I wasn't as big on the Nick Benino signing as I was on the Gustafson and Wheeler signing. And I really think that Nick Benino is very underrated. Very, very underrated. And I think he was underrated from a lot of us. I think he was underrated from the fan base. And I think just overall, um, I've been impressed. I think he's been, you know, the silent killer of our team. I mean, I really, he's been great. He he doesn't need to score a goal. And guess exactly. what? I always say this, Steve-O, and I know this sounds like a caveman answer, but like if Tyler Pitlick or Nick Benino are like that Dominic Moore, that score a goal to send us to the cup final, I'm taking that, bro. 
But at the same time, do you find them in that situation often? No. I, I think the fact that Benino hasn't necessarily, you know, he hasn't scored his first goal yet or anything, it doesn't matter. I think the reason the criticism's kind of fallen on Wheeler to start the year, or there's some uh, skepticism with that, is because that's what you were expecting him to come in and do. Like, be a well-rounded player, but also also notch some points. And I think for Benino, I think for me, I remember exactly where I was when they signed him, and I was like, you know, maybe this is a player that they're kind of taking a chance on, and maybe his time is almost over. Like, he's had his heyday in Pittsburgh, and he's bounced from Nashville to the San Jose. I agree, though, Steve, 100%. Cool. If there's one takeaway that you want to see from this team on the rest of this road trip, again, the Calgary game will already be finished at this point, but the rest of the way, Edmonton, Winnipeg, what do you, what do you want to see from this team? Yeah, growth isn't linear, but I, I think it's a win streak um, because they work hard in practice every day. That's something Molly Walker uh, reported the other day was that for against Seattle, they practiced really hard again, and I think that's valuable. They're practicing hard. Um, they're they're well-conditioned. They're really looking at the specifics of the game. Laviolette will talk to individual players, like just how you doing, how are things going? And then also maybe, hey, this is where you need to be here. This is where you need to be here. They're very detail-oriented. They're doing a lot of video. Um, Laviolette has pointed out that he's doing a mix of things to point out that weren't so good and things to point out that were good to reinforce that system. It's now looking at a win streak. It's been far too long. Listen, I don't have the stats on me from last year. I'm sure they had win streaks last year, but it didn't seem like they were stringing along four or five game win streaks. And you have some teams that are hurting right now. Flicker and Flames, they're not playing well. Two and three, two, three and one. Edmonton without McDavid. Vancouver for the last number of years hasn't been great. Winnipeg has kind of torn things down. They're playing all right, but they've torn things down. So I think it's like, let's see if you could come out, come out strong and, and compile some wins. I think that'll really do a lot for their confidence level, especially like Lafreniere, Heedle, Kako. You're seeing that I think if they win a few games, they're going to take it into another gear. And they've already looked really good to start the year. But imagine how good they look if they start producing and producing and it's leading to win after win. I think that's going to go a long way for their growth. Well, clip it right there. Chive said it. I got no arguments on my side, um, and especially on the road, too. You know, when you can win back-to-back games on the road, I'm not saying we need to sweep the rest of the road trip. Or, mm-hmm. But if we could get t- at least two games in a row, maybe even three, um, that's just establishing identity right there. When you come in in another team's building and just win, you know, and then you do it again and again, it goes a long way, and especially for a team that's in the position that they are right now with the, with the New York Rangers. So I agree. I agree. Let's snag some wins in a row. Let's see if we're right. We'll see you on next week's episode of Puck Talk CS. As always, follow our Instagram at Puck Talk CS. Please, please, please check out our new website. We we've really went out and balled it out, balled out, redesigning it just to your liking. So please check that out. And always remember, LGR, and it's just the luck of the puck. <laughs>